the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Financial risk and is not. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy delivers another message from the campus of the Masters University. Tests rightly handled will build our faith up. Temptations wrongly managed will bring our faith down. And so James wants us to indeed manage our trials well. So I want us to turn back to James chapter 1 to look at the issue of tempted and tried. probably heard the excuse, the devil made me do it. But today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy reminds us that we can get into trouble all on our own. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, and earlier this week, Philip examined how God uses trials to build us up in faith. But today, Philip turns his focus to the temptations that seek to tear us down. In James chapter 1, we discover how we can get swept away by our own desires when we take our eyes off Jesus. Here's today's message in Philip DeCourcy. We started a two-sermon series called Tempted and Tried. Tempted and Tried, part one and two. Part one was James 1, 1 to 12, and part two is James 1, 13 to 18. Because in this passage, James talks about trials on the outside and temptations on the inside. And so I pray as we Turn to God's word, you'll come with the seriousness that it deserves. In fact, as I was just thinking about this morning, I thought about my time in the police in Northern Ireland for six years. I worked out of Antrim Road RUC station in North Belfast. I remember we were sent on a refresher course. We went, um, were trained by the British Army on the latest techniques and tactics that the IRA were using from undercar booby traps to pressure plates. But I remember the opening line of the British paratrooper who instructed us that day. He said this, something like this. I'm paraphrasing. Guys, what you're about to hear today may save your life. What you're about to hear today may save your life. And I think that's true of what James is about to say. What you're about to hear today from the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, if you'll listen, and not just hear, but do, which is one of James' themes, right? It just might save your spiritual life. So let's take a moment and uh, read these verses together. James chapter 1, 13 through 18. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured 
and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So reads God's word. The story is told of a little fellow who was perched on the wall overlooking a farmer's orchard. And as the farmer came along, he looked up to the young boy and he said, Hey, young man, what are you doing? Are you trying to steal my apples? To which the young fellow replied, No, sir, I'm trying not to steal your apples. Trying not to give in to temptation is a battle we all fight. Living in a fallen world will confront us with the danger of always falling. In fact, Paul tells us, doesn't he, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that there is not a temptation that has overtaken you that is not common to all men. To be alive is to be tempted. You can't get around that reality. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.15 that the Lord Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Enticements to think, feel, act, speak, contrary to God's revealed will, are strewn all over the road of life. In fact, the author John White in his book, The Fight, he says this, you will be tempted. The kinds of temptation may change. Candies for kids, sensuality for the young, riches for the middle-aged, power for the aging. You will be tempted continuously. You will be tempted ferociously at times of crisis. As long as you live, you will be tempted. Isn't that why Matthew Henry, the Puritan commentator, said that the best of God's saints have been tempted to the worst of sins. And if you read your Bible, not only have they been tempted, but some of them have succumbed to that temptation. Noah got drunk. David committed adultery. Abraham lied. Lot succumbed to worldliness. Zacharias embraced unbelief. And Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ. The best of God's saints have been tempted to the worst of sins. So I want us to turn back to James chapter 1 to look at the issue of tempted and tried. Because here James uses one Greek word, parasmos, and he bends it in two directions. He talks about the fact that as Christians, we can be tested. We can face all manner of trials, and those are often sent by God and permitted by God to test our faith and to grow us and to fill the gaps in in our walk with God. Those are good things, not nice experiences, but in the end, they result in good things spiritually. But James moves on, and he uses this word parasmus in another manner, not trials on the outside, but temptations on the inside. Now, God is not the author of these temptations, which he will argue in verse 13. 
but they will come from within and from without. And those temptations will solicit us to sin. Tests rightly handled will build our faith up. Temptations wrongly managed will bring our faith down. And so James wants us to indeed manage our trials well and successfully. Because it seems to me as he moves from the issue of trials on the outside, verses 1 to 12, to temptations on the inside, verses 13 to 18, it's a natural transition. Why would I say that? Because I I hope you would agree with this, that if you and I feel to understand the good purpose of a trial, if we do not seek God for that wisdom, not to waste our sorrow, and in rather in allowing that test to prove our faith, it disproves our faith, we collapse under the test. The danger is that the trial then becomes a temptation. A temptation to doubt God's goodness. A temptation even to blame God for your fall. And I think James is talking about that. He finishes by saying, hey, endure your trial and receive the crown of life. Parenthesis. But if you collapse under that trial, don't be blaming God. Because he immediately says, doesn't he? In verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Because trials can become temptations. Trials can lead us to temptations. Now the test is of God, not the temptation. And if you don't believe what I'm talking about, listen to the words of Johnny Erickson Tata. You know her story. A diving accident in Chesapeake Bay in Virginia. She becomes a quadriplegic and she's wrestled with that her whole life. Listen to something she says. I was in my late 20s, single, and with every prospect of remaining so. Sometimes lust or a bit of fantasizing would seem so inviting and so easy to justify. After all, hadn't I already given up more than most being disabled? Didn't my wheelchair entitle me to a little slack now and then? Then she asks her readers, when God allows you to suffer, do you have the tendency to use your very trials as an excuse for sinning? Or do you feel that since you've given God a little extra lately or taken such abuse lately, he owes you a day off? Can anybody identify with that? In fact, James anticipates that. I want you to manage your trials. And I want you to face your temptations. Because trials badly managed can lead to temptations and the thought that God is not good. That God indeed has um, given you a burden too heavy to carry. God has allowed you to suffer for too long. And God is to blame for your collapse spiritually. So let's um, follow James' logic Three things here, we're looking at temptation, the author, the anatomy, and the answer. Let's look at the author of temptation. We're, we're kind of where I just alluded to, verse 13. James has a sharp rebuke for those who have failed to endure, which is his admonition in verse 12. 
Those who have given up under the trial. Those who have not sought God's wisdom nor His grace to remain under the trial until it's had its perfect work in bringing about Christian maturity. No, they have given into their sin and they have said to themselves something like this, the test was too hard and it's God's fault for allowing it and sending it. And James says, no way. God tempts no man. For God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anybody. That's James's point. The test is from God, but not the temptation. The test may produce a temptation, but let's be clear about this. God is not the author of it. And he gives two reasons, uh, one direct and one indirect. God's person and God's purpose. God's person and God's purpose. He, he tells us here, look, God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no man. Sin and evil is, is foreign to God's character. It's the antithesis of who he is. He's holy, holy, holy. Isaiah 6 verse 3. His eyes are purer than to behold iniquity. Habakkuk 1 verse 13. There's no itch in God's character that sin can scratch. God doesn't sin, and he doesn't lead others to sin, and he can't be tempted to sin. Sin dethrones God. Why would God be party to anything that dethrones him? In fact, we'll see in verse 17 that God is pure goodness. So that's number one, God's person. Number two, God's purpose. We saw, didn't we, in verses 2 through 4, that God's purpose for us is maturity, Christ-likeness, authentic spirituality. And God often uses trials like sandpaper to polish us and smooth us and mature us. That's God's purpose. That's why he tests us, not to disprove our faith, but to approve our faith like metal in a furnace. So, come on, it's not in God's nature to sin. He's not going to tempt you to sin. And number two, if he was to tempt you to sin, he'd be working against his own purposes for your life. That would be a house divided against itself. So God is not the author of sin. James is making that clear for two reasons, both in the text, verse 13, and the surrounding context. Question then, who is the author of temptation? Glad you asked. James is glad you asked. He's going to give you an answer, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. James wants you and I to know that when it comes to temptation and the sin that might result from it, God forbid, you and I are to take the blame wholesale. Sin comes from you and I pursuing desires that God doesn't desire for us. The fault lies within man himself. We have met the enemy and he is us. Doesn't Psalm 51 verse 5 tell us we were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. That's not talking about pregnancy outside of wedlock. That's talking about the fact that when we were born, we inherited our sin nature from our father, Adam. We read in Psalm 58 verse 3 that we go astray from the womb. No one has to teach us how to sin. We take to it like a duck to water. 
And James wants to remind us of that. Since you're in the business of blaming God, perhaps, for the trial you've gone through that led you to a temptation which you caved in on, and you don't take the blame for it, James says, no, you do take the blame for it. He's going to pin it right on you and right on me. Now, let me pause for a moment because what's interesting here, we might be surprised in this discussion on temptation that James hasn't talked about Satan. Where's Satan in his discussion here? He's ignoring the fact that there is a tempter, is there not? Well, there is. And James will not ignore that fact. In fact, in chapter 4, verse 7, what will he say? Resist the devil, submit to God. He's very much aware that there is a tempter who will try to solicit us to sin outside of God's will. But the reason he doesn't mention him here, although he doesn't ignore him later, is because James wants to make this point very clear, that you and I are individually responsible for our sin. Despite the fact there's a tempter, Despite the fact that there's a world, James 4 verse 4, that wants us to become adulterers, unfaithful to God. He gets it. There's a world around us that's pressuring the Christian to collapse. There's a Satan who's a fisher of man, just like we're to be fishers of men. And he baits us with sin and sin's pleasure, but for a moment. James acknowledges all of that, but at the end of the day, it is you that will choose to sin. Listen to this, very important. God will not cause you to sin because he tempts no man. And Satan cannot make you sin. It's you being drawn away of your own desire. That's the point James is making. James is saying you can't pass the buck you can't play the blame game I remember an old preacher saying Adam blamed God and Eve that woman you give me and then Eve blamed the serpent and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on that's the way it works that's the way human nature works since the fall That's why Will Rogers, the humorist, used to say this. There's been three periods of American history. The passing of the Indian, the passing of the buffalo, and the passing of the buck. Adam passed the buck, and it's been going around ever since. Doesn't the husband still say, Lord, it's the woman you give me? Don't we say it's the ghetto I grew up in? It's the makeup, Lord, that I inherited It's the parents that raised me. It's the society that failed me. Our society is awash with victimhood. And James is not having any of it. Oh, he would admit that there are circumstances and there there is bad company and there is a devil that becomes a catalyst for sin. But we supply the fuel while they supply the spark. You ever think about this? What happens to a spark when it falls on water? Nothing. What happens when a spark falls on a tank of fuel? Boom. The devil may be the spark. The circumstances that pressure you may be the spark, but you're the fuel. 
Your sin nature is the fuel. And James wants you to bear that responsibility. James wants you to embrace that reality. He wants you to be like David who said, Lord, against you only have I sinned and done this wickedness. He's not going to blame it on the nudity or nakedness of Bathsheba late at night. The thief said to the other thief on the cross, you know what? Jesus doesn't deserve what he's getting, but we deserve what we're getting. We're criminals. What about the prodigal? who comes home from the far country, apologizes to his father, I did this. I squandered your love and I spurned your goodness. I did this. I'm not going to blame it on the far country or the temptations that were out there. For every man is tempted, every woman is tempted when they are drawn away of their own desires and they're enticed. So who's the author of temptation? It's not God. God tempts no man. It's you. It's me. Our sin nature is a tank of gasoline, and there are sparks all around us. We need to guard our hearts. We make the choice to sin, to flirt with sin, to listen to the enemy, to act contrary to our conscience, to defy God's law, to forget the cross, and to grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's move on. Not only do we have the author of temptation, next we have the anatomy of temptation. The anatomy of temptation. Because in verses 13 to 15, James dissects the anatomy of temptation. We have here the postmortem on sin. James kind of picks the whole sin cycle apart. The moments and the movements that take us to a place where we disobey God, we hurt ourselves, we rob God of his glory, and we injure others, and we indeed bring disrepute to the gospel. Or to change the analogy, it's not just a post-mortem on sin where James dissects the moments and movements that lead to our disobedience. It's in sporting analogy, it's, it's sin in slow motion, you know? We've all watched a sporting event, and it all happens in a split second, and then we watch the slow-mo. And you see how it breaks down play by play and tackle by tackle and movement by movement. And James is doing that. He's given us sin in slow motion. He's rewinding the tape. We're finding the spiritual corpse of a Christian who's given into sin. But he's rewinding the tape and showing you slow motion how they got there. Three or four things, young people, if you're taking notes. Number one, the first thing is desire. That's what James talks about, doesn't he? But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. His own desire. So here's what you need to grasp. Temptation is a desire for something that God does not desire for you. We're examining the root of temptation here on Know the Truth with Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. Don't miss the conclusion to this clear and convicting message that's coming up tomorrow. And if you missed the two earlier messages this week in the Tempted and Tried series, be sure to listen online. Our web address is ktt.org. Online, you'll also find additional resources to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ through daily obedience to His Word. As we learn today, We've got our own temptations that get us into trouble, and then there's the enemy clipping at our heels. So how do we keep from falling? This month, we're making available a classic resource by Warren Wearsby titled, The Strategy of Satan. 
This book has been called a manual of arms for the Christian soldier. It's a guidebook for dedicated Christians like you who want to resist the devil and win the daily spiritual battle. Request The Strategy of Satan when you give a generous gift of $20 or more to the nonprofit ministry of Know the Truth. Donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. You can also send your gift by mail when you write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Thank you for your generosity that fuels the ministry of Know the Truth. Your gifts make all the difference as together we share the truth that sets men and women free. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we've got a gift for you. It's a brand new resource that describes the keys to overcoming temptation. This bookmark outlines how to defeat temptation even before it attacks. It's a preview of truths Philip will be sharing in his upcoming Speak of the Devil series. Ask for the bookmark when you call 888-644-8811. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Glad you joined us today. Be sure to come back tomorrow for more biblical tools for overcoming temptation. That's coming up Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. As parents and grandparents, we would love to have our children in Christian school. But financially, it's tough. That's why WAVA Radio is partnering with select Christian schools throughout the greater D.C. area to offer a limited number of half-priced Christian school tuitions. These tuitions are literally half off the regular price of tuition. Learn more and see the list of schools at WAVA.com. Click on the school bus or call WAVA and talk to us about your options for saving half on tuition. Terms and conditions apply. Ever since the publication of H.G. Wells' The Time Machine in 1895, people have been captivated by the idea of traveling in time. In that book, a scientist built a time machine and traveled far into the future. Then he returned and told his astonished friends what the world was going to be like in 800,000 years. The truth is, is that we are all time travelers traveling toward the future. And at the end of our journey, there's a destination that we can scarcely imagine. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.